Welcome to the Launch University Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Welcome to another episode of Launch University Podcast. I am Shane Benson, and I've got with me David Farmer. Hey, Shane. Hey, buddy. If uh, you hear some giggling in the background, it's because this is about the fourth take of the start of this podcast. I just can't get it together today, so bear with me. We're going to call this one, Dave, we're going to call this, the title of this podcast, How Will I Ever Get This Done? A question that I know I find myself asking all the time. All the time. And so the, the subtitle of this one is Honing Your Time Management Ninja Skills. I like that. I do too. I do too. So we're going we're gonna to call this, let's call this a baker's dozen of ideas. We're going to rip through about 13 different tips, techniques that um, we found and we've learned from other launchers like you that seem to work in this area of called time management. So we're just going to jump right in. Can I, can I just set, yeah. add something? I know that for many of our launchers, um, this is not the only thing they've got going on. And they've got this passion to pursue this idea, but they're having to figure out how you do it in the midst of taking care of family, working a perhaps a primary job. And so I think that's why this topic can be even more meaningful. You want to do it. You're just trying to figure out, can you do it? And so I, I hope this will prove to be helpful in that respect. Well, I think it will. And, and if anything, what I'm learning is every time I do one of these podcasts, I'm reminded, oh, I need to remember to keep doing that. And so hopefully one of these 13 things will resonate with you um, and you'll take back and it'll help you be better in this area called time management. I, I think first and foremost, and, and David, I know you would agree, I think it's really, really important. Anytime you're thinking about your time, it's really important to start with your why. And uh, I love the book Simon Sinek wrote about start with why. And, and the premise of this is this. When you start with why, what and how get much easier. I don't know about you, but oftentimes it's at the beginning of the year, I kind of set these exercise goals and I know what I need to do and I know how I need to do it. But if I don't have a clear comprehensive why, I lose motivation. I would add compelling too. Yeah, it's, it's got to be for me, it's, it's got to be something that I'm driven to that's just more than, okay, here's what I need to do and here's how I need to do it. A launch is inevitably not going to be easy. And so you need to be able to remind yourself what's, what's the payoff. So, you know, for me in several areas of my life, you know, I think it's important to have strong, compelling whys. Um, I can remember when I was in my mid-30s, it wasn't long ago, I guess, I can remember a time in my life when I, I had to really remind myself that at night I wanted to be fully present with my kids. And so I would literally just make sure that I had time set aside to get all the stuff I needed to do before I went home because my why was, hey, be fully engaged with my family at nighttime. And without that why, I think I would have just gone through the motions at certain times. So I think it's good. I think uh, post the why in a prominent place if you need to as well as another little tip. Yeah, that's really good. All right, let's jump into our second one, which is... It's have super clear objectives. And I would say not just objectives maybe, but even deadlines. I love the expression, you want to begin with the end of in mind. In other words, what is success going to ultimately look like? 
And and the clearer you get on, on that, the, and with precise language or even numbers, if numbers are appropriate, but the clearer the picture you have of what success looks like, and then thinking about when it needs to happen, that is going to be fundamental to everything we'll talk about here in just a moment um, as you begin to activate against that plan. So you need the why, but you need clarity of objective, and you need clarity around deadlines too. Well, and you know, just to add to that, a simple way to be reminded of this is a formula, X to Y by when. I want to go from here to there by such and such a date. Just having a very clear objective or goal will really, really help you. Yep. Love it. All right. You want to go to the next one? Let's do it. All right. So once you've got that kind of clarity around your goal, your, your deadline, I then say chunk it down. And here's what I mean by that. Um, you're not going to tackle that objective all at once. You're going to have to break it into component pieces. And so you may take your plan and literally write out what are the key components of this goal. But then as you begin to figure out how you're going to time activate this, I would say chunk down your calendar as well. In other words, what needs to happen this quarter? And then to go a little bit deeper, what do I need to do this week? And even ultimately, what I need to do today. I would encourage our listeners, think about having a weekly planning ritual. Uh, I do it generally on Sundays where I sit down and I kind of map out what's ahead in the week. I'm reviewing my calendar. I'm listing specific objectives that I need to accomplish towards a longer-term goal. And then that helps me as I go through the week, generally the night before I will map out what's going to happen that next day, too. So that's all just chunking it down. A long-term goal broken into quarters, then broken into weeks, and then piece by piece what needs to happen the next day. And I, I think you've used this analogy before, but it's, it's like taking a long trip. If you were driving from here to, you know, from Atlanta to L.A., there are certain stops along the way. Well, what does that look like? across your calendar? Like, what does that specifically look like? Like, hey, if we're going to go from here to LA, the next stop may be Nashville, Tennessee. So what's the goal or objective in Nashville? And, and when, do I, spot? when do I want to be in that's Nashville? That's right. That's a great point. Yep. Okay. And that's that really sets up the next idea as well, which is about expectations. I would call it expectation management around your time. Here's the way I would say it. There's a tendency when we have a big goal with a deadline that's a little further out, we have a tendency to put off what we need to do today because we feel like we've got time. So as a result, we overestimate what we're going to get done in a longer period of time. But conversely, we tend to underestimate what we could do today. And so the way this principle comes to life, if you'll force yourself to have a really aggressive short-term target today, you'll be amazed at how much progress you'll make as opposed to feeling like, I, I, I'll get it later in the week, I'll get it next week, I'll get it next month. If you do that before you're, before long, you're just going to find yourself in a hole and you can feel overwhelmed. So you, you want to avoid like that. that in college quite a bit, oh, yeah. actually. Yeah. Cramming for that test last minute. Amazed how much I could learn in a short amount of time, but totally overestimated, you know, that amount of time that I had. So. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the fifth principle would be what I would call a calendar audit. Um, I think these are really healthy. You alluded to this earlier. You talked about every Friday or the weekend, you kind of sit down and look at your calendar. But one of the things, and I think there's a couple questions you can ask yourself. As you look at your calendar, what I encourage you to do is kind of look back based on your purpose or why, based on some of the goals and objectives you've set, 
ask yourself these questions. The first one being, what went well? What didn't go so well? And what would you do differently? So if you look back and you say, okay, what went well about last week? What didn't go so well about last week? And what should I do differently going into this week? So, you know, a classic example is maybe you've got some fitness goals and you just kind of look and you say, okay, what did I do that went well? What didn't I do that didn't go so well? Or what did I do that didn't go so well? And what am I going to change? How am I going to change that schedule? And I think taking an audit of your calendar is really healthy looking back, but it's also really healthy looking forward. So look out about two or three weeks and begin to think, do I have the right things on my calendar in order for me to hit some of these goals and objectives that I've set? And so you may see on there, you know what, I've got this Maybe you've got a a personal fitness goal or a family goal or a business objective you're trying to hit. Doing this audit, have you set aside the right amount of time in your schedule to actually tackle some of those things? And so that's what the audit's all about, and I found it to be a best practice. That's great. Okay, next would be um, what we would call time blocks. As you're doing this calendar audit, I actually think it's really powerful to look and set aside blocks of time to get things done. This is a principle I learned many, many years ago, and I thought it was really helpful. And probably the best example that helped me was looking at time blocks around emails and thinking to myself, you know, typically what I would do is I would tackle emails while they came. We all fall into that trap sometimes, especially in today's world when it just pops up on your phone, you think I'll tackle it. This strategy is all about setting aside blocks of time to do that. So when is it during your day that you're going to knock out emails? Another thing to do is think about all of us have projects or objectives we got to hit. When are you going to literally set aside time to actually work on that project? Another good one that recently uh, I saw another leader use is he set aside blocks of time for just one-on-one meetings. Yep. So he said, hey, I'm, I'm at my best between 10 and 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and I'm going to set aside some time for one-on-one meetings with folks. That way I've got specific time that I can visit with folks and get some work done. So I just think blocking your time is really, really healthy across all of your goals. It'll help you accomplish more. And Shane, I'd say when I go through my weekly planning exercise on Sundays, that's a lot of what I'm doing is thinking about when are those blocks going to happen? When is family time? When am I going to set aside, like if I'm going to take care of uh, things at home, what's the block of time to do that? If I got to pay bills, what's the block of time to do that? I do it within the context of my work as well. Planning versus meetings versus um, some type of follow-up work that I have to do. I mean, a a real example for me lately has been I have what I call fitness block. And I know I need three hours, and that three hours includes a couple things. That three hours includes the drive to the workout facility. That includes the shower. That includes me getting ready, and it includes the workout. And so I know that that whole process is going to take about three hours. I block three hours, and then I know when I get to wake up and when it ends, and all the other stuff is factored in. That's either a really long drive, long shower, (laughs) or long workout, but that's good. I need that kind of time to get my hair ready. (laughs) That's good. Well, this actually sets up um, the next tip, which is really just an extension of blocking time, but it's being very focused on batching email and other administrative tasks. I like to say, I don't really feel like in my primary job, I'm paid to answer email. That's not why I was hired. However, 
It is necessary because it's a channel through which we do a lot of critical communication. But I agree with what you said earlier. If I find myself letting email interrupt me all day long, my productivity is going to tank. And yet, I need to be responsive. So what I have to do is I have to set aside some blocks where I can knock it out at once. And I just find it's much easier when I batch it. If I go through a day and I don't have that, I I feel it. I feel like I'm not being responsive. I feel behind. So knowing that, it's a block I try to build into my weekly plan. And you can even tell people. I like the people that they'll respond to an email. You'll you'll notice it on their footer sometimes. It says, hey, I only look at email twice a day. If you send me a message in between, I'll get back to you sometime between 4 and 5 this afternoon. Well, and, and you know, just to piggyback, back on that, I think within this idea of batching email, uh, you may have heard of what, what I refer to as these four Ds. You know, in, in this period of time that you're knocking out e- emails, there's four Ds. You can do it. If you can do it under two minutes, go ahead and do it. Can you delegate it? Can you send it to another person or an admin or somebody to take care of that? Maybe you need to defer it. And that may be that you just set a time. I mean, so many of the tools that we have within Outlook and and email providers allow you to do that. So you've got these opportunities to kind of use that time to really knock out, which which I think is one of the most time, the biggest time waster we have in our, our lives right now is email. So you've got to set aside the time to knock it out so you can get it done. That's good. Good. Okay, so our next one is stick to your genius. What's genius? So your genius is really what we would describe as this intersection of where your strengths and passion intersect. So as you think about how you're wired, what makes you you, a genius really refers to where do those strengths that you have combined with this passion that you have intersect. And so when we say stick to your genius, it's like do what only you can do and try and delegate the rest of it. So, you know, oftentimes we find ourselves, we've got some certain strengths, but we find ourselves spending a lot of time in our weaknesses. A a classic example for me is at home, I'd love to say that I do the finances at my home, but I don't. I'd like to be able to, but honestly, my wife is so good at, Gina is so good at just the checkbook and accounting. And so, that's not a strength of mine. And so she just takes care of that for us. She just kind of tells me what I need to spend and when I need to spend. But I'm so appreciative of that because what my strengths are are more aligned with encouragement, kind of goal setting, you know, strategic thinking about the family. She's better at that other stuff. And so stick with your genius. Figure out what you're good at and try and delegate the rest when at all possible. I think a lot of people fall into a trap of feeling like they just have to get better at all the stuff they're not naturally good at. And, and you know, Marcus Buckingham taught us in his book, Strength Finder, that's a fallacy. It's probably somebody else's strength. It may be their genius. So if you can give it away, let somebody delegate it, let somebody else have it. It may be right in their wheelhouse. You might dread it and they might love it. Uh, But yes, stick to stick to that thing that only you can do that adds real value. Amen. That's great. So our next one is get rid of low payback activities. So what are those things in your life that the return on investment is not real high? Anything come to mind for you, David? Did well, you? well, the first thing that, that I think of is you go all the way back to the first concept we shared, back to your why. You, you sort of have to, can you reconcile the low payback activity with the why? So 
you know, there are things like you can get lost on social media as an example. Mm, so, that's a great one. I'm not saying don't do it, but you have to put a boundary on it. You can obviously get sucked into consuming media, you know, watching TV. I know Mallory and I, one of the things we do, there's some shows that we'll watch and we'll watch them on Apple TV or Netflix, which means we don't have to watch all the commercials at times, but we watch them together. And so um, we're not just... Yeah, how can you maximize a potential low payback activity like Netflix. It's yeah. like, okay, honey, if long as we watch this together and we don't binge all day, yes. maybe this would be good for us. So you have to put either get rid of them or put some boundaries around them. Yeah, and I think that's really wise because, and this is an area where I think it's actually helpful to engage uh, maybe the network around you or friends to say, hey, what is it you see that I'm doing that's not giving me the kind of return on investment I need. They'll actually tell you. I mean, hey, I think you waste too much time here. Or why do you do this? But really try and eliminate or get rid uh, of some of those low payback activities. Yeah, I'll tell you another one is Amazon has made it so easy for me to just one-click stuff. I don't go out and run errands and shop to the degree that I used to. because I, I now find that to be a low payback activity. Last night, Mallory needed chili pepper for something. She'd ordered. A person showed up the door. I hear Mallory go to the door. She walks back with this one jar of chili pepper, and she goes, how do they make money doing this? <laughs> right now they don't, <laughs> but someday they will for sure. That's but she great. didn't have to make a trip to the grocery store. Oh, that's great. That's a great example. All right, number 10. We're already at number 10, David. Yep, and here's here's the idea. We often have a task list or an action list, a to-do list, and I understand the need for that. In fact, I would tell you that I use OneNote, and I, I have my OneNote organized. It, you might have Evernote or some other note-taking tool. I have a place where I capture the activities that I'm accountable for, and I even organize them, but... I don't just work off of that task list because you're always going to have a task list and I guarantee you, you're never going to wipe it all out. You know, it's, it, it, you just won't. But what I do is I go through it and I figure out which ones are priorities as I go through that weekly exercise again. What are the ones that need to happen this week? And then here, here's the key. I calendar those. So go back to the blocking method that we talked about. I decide it either is a block or it needs to fit within a broader block. But bottom line, I get it on my calendar because when I get it on my calendar, then the likelihood that it it, is going to get done goes way up. And then everything else, I still kind of archive on that task list and I'll go back and visit it tomorrow or next week. It's so an example of that might be you've got a list of people that you need to call back. What I hear you saying is blocking time for phone calls. And then you go to your list of phone calls that you need to make, but you've actually set aside some time to actually take action on certain activities like phone calls or follow-up emails or what have you. Exactly. That's great. All right, you want to keep going? Let's do it. All right, next one is what I call try a sprint. And again, we've referenced Tommy Newberry before. He, he challenged me with this. Charlie Finch, who works with Charlie, specifically challenged me, hey, try a sprint. I'm like, what is that? And he goes, that's where you get super focused on something you just need to create momentum around for a short period of time. Now, uh, when Charlie had me do it, he um, suggested I use 12 days. And he said, start on a Monday, go all the way through the next Friday. 
and that was 12 days. He goes, if you'll think about this and commit to taking some ground every day on this one issue for 12 days, you'll be amazed at how much progress and momentum That's you create. That's a great idea. So I call, just call it a sprint. So you cannot, if you think about sprinting, you can't sprint for long distances of time, for long periods of time, I should say. But you can do it some. You, you have to run at a slower pace for a, a longer stretch. But if you need to get out of, you're kind of in a hole and you need to get out of the hole, or you just you got to get something done, you need to create momentum, a sprint may be a way to get there. Well, it's kind of interesting, the analogy. I love the running analogy because if as a runner you want to get faster, you actually run sprints. Oh, that's good. Um, and you do that for periods of time so that ultimately you get faster. So if you think about the analogy here, it's like if you do these sprints over time, it actually creates momentum that it can actually help you get better in that specific area over yeah. a long time. Well so. said. All right. This is one of my favorites. It's start with an easy task. So you may have seen this uh, YouTube commencement speech that Admiral William McRaven talked about. He was given a commencement speech to the University of Texas. And he said, you know, if you want to change the world, start off by making your bed. <laughs> that was his quote. And, and really the premise of this is pick something easy to do right off the bat because it'll create momentum. And when you begin to see that you can do the little things right, you'll start to do the big things right. It's funny that he talked about making his bed. One of my early morning rituals, and I call it a ritual, it's just the thing that gets me started, is I literally roll out of bed, I hit the floor, and I start stretching. And the reason I do that is because it's super easy, and it's actually kind of, I mean, it feels good. It's like I'm stretching out. But then I have to stand up, and I have a decision to make. I can either go back to bed, but then I think to myself, well, I'm already standing up, so I'll just go ahead and get my workout clothes on. But that is an example of Pick an easy task and do it right off the bat, and it'll create the necessary momentum you need. And it feels like a little thing, but it actually leads to the big things. My chiropractor tells me motion is lotion. <laughs> well, I believe it. <laughs> and what he's saying is just start moving, and then uh, your joints, muscles, the body begins to uh, kind of wake up a little bit, and then movement becomes easier. And so what's true in terms of our anatomy, I think, is true in terms of getting things done as well. As you, as you begin to knock off some little things, it'll grease the skids to do the big things that follow. So the reason we call this a baker's dozen is because we get these 12 things. But this 13th one, I think, is really, really important. And it's all about reward. Take us through that, David, because that's I think sometimes we go through all this stuff and we don't properly reward ourselves sometimes for all the hard work and the diligence it takes to kind of be a good time manager or a time management ninja, as we would say. So I'm going to attribute this one to fellow Launch University podcaster Jeff Henderson because he showed me this tool that he was using to manage his time during the day. And he, he was clearly mapping out the key objectives he had. But the thing that I noticed is once he completed an objective, he asked the question, how will you reward yourself? And I go, wow. And so he's, he's finding that having something that he can look forward to as a payoff creates added uh, motivation to get that thing done. And it, it needs to be something 
that's healthy, obviously, that's not going to take you off track. But it could be anything from uh, I'm going to go get a coffee at that point to I'm going to give myself permission to do something that I find more enjoyable, whatever the case may be, but building in little rewards for little tasks. And then when you complete major milestones, I think big rewards are in order. That may be throw a party, have the celebratory meal, take the trip, do whatever you need to do. But I think rewards are big, not just for you, but then as you think about those that are involved with you, bring them into the celebration. Well, a couple of things. First off, I think they're underrated. So uh, we've been a part of coaching groups in the past. One of my favorite examples of a coaching group is a thing called the Victory Wall. Oh, yeah. And the Victory Wall is really special because essentially anytime you accomplished a pretty significant task, you'd bring a picture of it and post it up on the Victory Wall. And that has translated itself all the way back to my home. I mean, we've done this with our kids. I've done this personally. But create that place where you can remind yourself of what you've accomplished. I think it's really key. And then not only that, sometimes we'll just take pictures of things that we want to accomplish as a motivator. And as silly as this sounds, I think these are little things and big things. I, literally, this happened to me last night. So I'm sitting there, and I'm going, I needed to clean out the laundry room. Gina had asked me to do I can tell you, there are not many other things that I hate doing than cleaning out the laundry room. And my little reward was, as soon as I do this, I'm going to have a big bowl of Reese Cup Crunch. It's like this cereal, and I love this Reese Cup cereal. And I was like, I'm just going to get this done, and then I'm going to eat a bowl of Reese Cups. And I'm like, that seems so tiny and small, but it works. So find yourself a tiny reward, a big reward, but reward yourself. Because when you're doing these things around time management, we really do need that. Intrinsically, we're wired that way. I got to get some of those in case I need you to do something for me. <laughs> it works, man. I love Reese Cup cereal. Um, hey, this has been great. I, David, you want to close us up? And yeah. just Let me just recap. Um, I'm going to run quickly through the the tips that we outlined. First, clarify the why behind the work. Why is it important? Secondly, get clear on both your objectives, your goals, and your deadlines. Then you can chunk it down. You can go from quarterly to weekly to daily. Don't overestimate what you can do in a period of time. Be realistic, but a key there is recognize you can do a lot more than you think today or this week. So get off to an aggressive start. Uh, Five, do a calendar audit. Figure out where uh, you're wasting time or spending time on a low-value-add activity. Then time block. And as you time block, one example is to batch up your email and other administrative tasks and knock those out in blocks. Uh, Next would be try to operate within your genius and delegate the rest. Then get rid of low-payback activities. Go from a to-do list to calendaring important activities. Try a sprint to create momentum. Do an easy task first to get momentum. And then lastly, reward yourself. So pick the ones that, that you need to experiment with. And again, we, we want you not to feel like you, you just don't know how you're going to get stuff done. We want you to get on top of that and develop the kind of discipline systems processes that enable you to take on more and more. You know, Shane, I would tell you, I think just like you can learn to lift a heavier weight as you train, I think we can learn to get more done as we practice and we use good process along the way. And, and really, David, this is what I love most about this podcast because all of us are launchers, we're learners, we're trying to be difference makers, and it's this kind of stuff that I think all of us need because, quite honestly, we're all going through the same type of obstacles together and some of these challenges. So 
Thanks for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Continue to listen to Launch University, and uh, we'll be back next time. See you guys. Thanks for listening to the Launch University podcast. We hope it's helped move you from go-getter to difference maker. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. Find more great resources at launchu.net.